Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Hey, good morning, church. We're carrying on with our Bothered series. And I just want to ask a question to start with. Have you ever been so bothered by something that it's caused you to go against what the, 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 the perceived wisdom in that situation would be? And uh, so, so growing up, many people know I'm, I'm one of four children, and that me and my younger brother, we were just the dream. We just were always good fun, always terrific for our parents, and it never created any hassle at all. And as an example of that, one time we were on holiday, and we were in Gran Canaria, and my folks are pretty anti-guns and that kind of stuff, so we bought some replica pistols. And anyway, my parents found out about these pistols and told us that we needed to leave them and throw them away whilst we're in Gran Canaria. And that bothered us. That was like, that was our holiday money that we'd spent on these little guns. So we came up with a better plan, and that plan was to put them in my dad's hand luggage. (laughs) The perceived wisdom in that moment would have been not to do that. And um, my dad is this wonderful guy, he's 84, same age as the person that we're going to have a look at this morning. But um, for the whole flight back from Gran Canaria, he was this seething mass of rage. Because what had happened, just when we were going through the kind of like the security things, obviously the x-ray machine picked up these two things that he was trying to take on board with him. And suddenly he's getting marched off by these police down into this back corner. And I have no idea what took place. All I know is I was never going to do that again. So, so sometimes there are things which happen to us which bother us to such a thing that we like go, okay, actually, I, I'm going to do something a bit reckless. Other times there's things that, that, that get inside of us so much and you just can't keep them in. So my first exploit on eBay was when me and Nick were going to get married and uh, I, I bought our engagement rings, engagement ring on eBay. But it was the first time I'd ever, ever had to go on eBay, so I wasn't really sure how it worked. And, uh, and so what happened was I looked at one, I thought, that's exactly what I think Nick would like. Put in my bid, and obviously everybody else bids, and you're seeing it, and you're thinking, okay, that's not going to happen. So I looked for another one, found another one. I thought, okay, this looks exactly like what Nick would like. So I put in a bid for that one, went off to bed, woke up, I'd won both. <laughs> and it was one of those stories that actually, like, like obviously... It's going to be a bit of a surprise bringing out the ring when you ask the question. I mean, Nick knew I was going to ask the question, but it should be a bit of a surprise. But I just couldn't keep it in. I literally, before I even asked, was like, look, you get to choose which ring. Because something had happened which I just couldn't keep inside. And what we're going to look at this morning is about hope. And we're going to look at, like, are you bothered by hope? Does it capture you so much that you just can't keep it inside? And, and so that's this whole thing, because like your life, we are absolutely convinced that your life is too important, it is too significant to keep this message of hope tied up. In fact, your life is too important for you to just like settle down and be comfort. It's too important for, for me and Nick, for our lives, to just be comfortable. 
Because the message of hope has to agitate us so that we can bring comfort to those that are agitated in life anyway. And so this whole series, we are looking at bothered. Are you bothered to be changed? Are you bothered by hope? Like Nate spoke last week excellently about can I be bothered? And asking this question, like, are you up for God to bother you? And obviously, there's, there's a little bit of kind of like um, uh, competition between us. And so I was listening to Nathan. He did a great job last week. And of course, he pulled out the big gun. So like Dietrich Bonhoeffer made this quote by Bonhoeffer. Like, if you don't know who Bonhoeffer is, if you go to Westminster Chapel, like above the Great West Gate, he's one of the modern martyrs. So he's got a little statue up there. And he, he says this question, like, uh, we should be up for God to disrupt us. Are we prepared for God to disrupt us? And I thought, man, that's an, that's an excellent quote. I don't quite know where I'm going to go to kind of like go higher than that. So I've gone for a king. <laughs> I've gone for a king. Right, and, and I'm going to try and get this right, okay? Here's the quote. Hope is never mere. Even when it is meager. Even when all the other senses sleep. It is the first one to awake. And the last one to sleep. Hope is never, yeah, right? If you want to know who said that, Gil Galad, King of the Elves, the latest Lord of the Rings documentary. You can see it on the History Channel or Prime, something like that. But, but I love this word. I love this whole hope is never mere. Even when it's meager, it, it does something in us. It stirs something in us. And so my question is, are you going to be bothered by hope? Is it going to bring a change? And what we're doing in this series, we're looking at a couple of characters and we're exploring kind of like Bible characters to say, oh, this is where this person was bothered by. And so this morning we're going to look at this beautiful, gorgeous lady, Anna, and she's just mentioned in three verses in the New Testament, but we're going to read slightly more than that. It'll be up on screen. We're going to read from Luke 2, 22 through to 39. And it says this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Jenna, sometimes when you think you can only give a pigeon... Here's the most favoured parents in history. And all they're asked to give is a pigeon. When Lauren said this morning about bring your bing back, bring what you've got. And be set free from this requirement that you set on yourself to have greater than a pigeon. Because the favour of God is on you. And all he's asking is for what you've got. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There also was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town, Nazareth. I'm going to pray in a minute. I think um, Dr. Luke just missed a little part there, just at the very end, when he said, when they return to Nazareth and they sit down in the evening and Joseph turns to Mary and says, I hope the next time we go to the temple, it's not so adventurous. Because that's quite a lot. I mean, but then if you read on, that's not quite what happens. But anyway, but just this moment of like, they come on in, they're expecting one thing, but something completely different happens. There's the picture of hope in itself. We're going to pray, and then we're going to explore this beautiful Lady Anna's life and a few things that the the scriptures put out on that. Father, we love you. We realize that you have this passionate love for us. And we we confess that we are captured by your love. We are captured by your goodness. As we have declared, you've only been good to us. So we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that you have said that you and your father are going to make your homes in our hearts. So we say, abide here richly this morning. And Holy Spirit, will you glorify the son? Will you reveal the Father to us this morning? We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And amen. just want to read those few verses about Anna again. Verse 36 to 38. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worship night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. There really is plenty in, in just those three verses about Anna. And you can pick out with reference to like her being faithful. You can pick out about how she is this disciplined woman. And there's all sorts of stuff that, that you could just take a few moments on those verses. But we're going to look at two traits of a hope-bothered life. And that is that of giving and that of gratitude. Because a hope-bothered life 
is marked by giving. Do you know, her life was marred by loss, but she wasn't defined by her loss. She was defined by this hope that was within her. And, and, and then, because of that, she gave, and she gave sacrificially. We've just read it. Anna served God through worshipping, fasting, and praying. She models to us what it is to be a living sacrifice. To, to be somebody who is saying, right, actually, I am going to give my life to this. But I think also, like Dr. Luke, the, the author of this part of the scripture, is, uh, when he's writing this, and when he's compiling this, and he's putting his report together that he, that he then submits that we know as the gospel and we know as Acts, he's pulling these things together. And the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, mention Anna. Mention Anna. No doubt, by the time he writes this, she, she's dead. Without a doubt, by the time Luke writes this, she, she's gone. She's been promoted to glory. And yet the Holy Spirit says, remind people of Anna. Show this living sacrifice. Inspire people through her life. And, and, and it's not just to say this is what she did, that she gave her life through prayer and fasting and worshipping. But, but he does make note of the circumstances of her life. That she was only married for a number of years, and then for the majority of her life, perhaps 60-odd years, she's been a widow. And God doesn't miss those details. But the celebration of Anna is that she is a life that is bothered by hope. So she, she's obviously going to be aware of her loss absolutely but she is positioning herself where she can respond to the hope that's within her she can position herself in a place of hope and it says that she is she gives her life through worshiping fasting and prayer when we are bothered by hope it's going to have an outwork in these areas you can, I think we can gauge our hope health by how well do we worship? What is our prayer life like? What is, what is the, the spiritual disciplines of fasting like in our life? They're, they're the, the gauges that we can look at. Well, how, how healthy are we? How healthy is my hope Field life. What are my hope? What are the signs of hope life within me? Because do you know what? If 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 I've lost worship, th- then I, I'm going into a hope cardiac arrest. Because actually, my heart isn't resounding with what God has done. My heart isn't beating for what He has done and is doing. Because w- w- when when that's gone from us, our only focus is us. And when our only focus is me, well, then I'm going to look at my loss. And then if I'm looking at it, I'm going to become defined by it. Obviously, we're aware of it, but we're defined by something so different. We are people defined by hope. As, as I've said it already, right, we are carriers of hope. Carriers of hope into a world of hopelessness. 
We are carriers of hope into all sorts of conversations, into all sorts of situations, into all sorts of circumstances. And people aren't necessarily interested in what our car is that we drive or the house. They may have a fascination with that stuff, but what they're looking at is, is how does your life tick? How does my life tick? Um, I, I, we have some wonderful neighbours where we live, and, and one of our neighbours is is a um, beautiful guy and, and, and husband and wife. They're really lovely, two fabulous kids, but th- they're really quite private. I'm now aware I'm saying this in a public forum, but right, they are they are fabulously good people, and we have this this opportunity of interacting with them, like because our life is anything but private. Our kids make sure of that. <laughs> Our kids will say everything, shout everything, let everything be known. And there's these two, you have these two kingdoms next door to each other. And it's like, but actually, what's, what's underwriting with us is that there is this tick of hope to us. Right? We're not getting utterly caught out with everything that's taking place. For sure, we're aware of the hassles that take place with our kids and in our lives and all that kind of stuff. We're aware of, like Nay said, you know, we're aware of the economy. We're aware of circumstances. We're aware of situations. But actually, we're wanting to be something different for our neighbours because we're wanting them to be aware that our hearts are ticking with hope. That our lives are ticking with hope. Because then when in anybody's world that we might bounce into, when agitation comes to their world, I want to be able to bring comfort to them. I want to be somebody that brings hope to them, that has words of hope. So I want to ask that question. What are, what are the hope signs of life like for you? Are you a worshipper? Are you a prayer? Are you a faster? Are you a giver? Just, just look along those lines because they are expressions of our devotion. Do you know, like um, last week, and this isn't to champion us, but, but the other week we, we were away. We had like a little bit of a weekend away and our plan was to go to London on the Saturday night onto Sunday and, and be away from church. And a few little circumstances t- took place. We could still do it. But then Simon sent a little message out and said, oh, I really feel like I've got something that I need to say to the church. And so our decision was, right, we're not going to do that. We're going to be in church. We're going to listen to that message. Because if God is speaking, we want to hear it. The challenge of Nathan last week, if God is speaking, are we bothered to hear? Are we putting ourselves in a place to hear that message? And if our heart is one that is ticking with hope, then I am wanting to hear what it is that God is saying. Right? So, so we, we changed our plans. And then we said, okay, after church, Nick will stay because she's working. So I'll take the kids down and we'll go stay with our parents for a few days. So we'll just go down Sunday afternoon. And inside I said, oh, we're going to call the church to prayer in the evening. So it's like, so again, we change. Because we want to be in that place where God is speaking. But we've got a hope that is in us. That, that, that causes the way that we look at everything to be changed. It's not just the, the normal rhythms of life. It's like, this is the tick of hope that's inside of us. How do I position myself to, to be able to hear? How do I position myself so that I'm not hiding? Anna isn't hiding. There's going to be loads and loads of widows at this time. She isn't hiding from what God is saying. She isn't hiding from the promise that God has got for her. She is right in the middle of it. So that when it comes through, at that moment, it says, she can go forward. Are we ready for that moment? As Lauren challenged us this morning, like, let's be a church and stand with those. Are you ready in that moment to give? Or do, you th- do, do we come to church and just think, oh, that's for the, the ministry team, for the front bench? 
Do we come hopeful of an expectation that God wants to use you in the life of your family in this room today? When you've got that ticking heart of hope, it's like, where's the opportunity? Where's it coming? Where's it coming? I want to be ready. I want to have a good hope life that worships, that prays, that does all the rest. Not out of a tick box exercise, but out of, nah, this is my expression of my hope that's in me. So a, a hope-bothered life is marked by giving. It's marked. It's different. And it goes the extra mile. Secondly, a hope-bothered life is a life marked by gratitude. Coming to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. She gave thanks to God. She's modeling Gratitude. She's modeling Thanksgiving. I, I'm realizing with our kids, there is, there's an element of habitual thank you, and there's an element of genuine gratitude. And sometimes we've taught our kids the habitual thank you, but they don't really live in an attitude of gratitude. And, and that's very easy for me to say that of my children, but I'm beginning to ask God, God, can I see them through a mirror? Because am I living a life that is this attitude of gratitude? Am I living this life where I'm just looking at the loss from years and years ago? And that's determining everything. Or am I looking for the hope that God has got for me in the today? Because a hope-bothered life is marked by gratitude. Anna's life is marked by loss. Yet the Holy Spirit marks right from the crowd and acknowledges her gratitude. In these three verses, she's picked out, and it said, and she came and gave thanks. There's a, a little kind of um, allusion to something that I may be reading too much into, it, but she's the son of Pinel. Pinel means face of God. So here is somebody of whom is the result of an encounter with God, and she has an attitude of gratitude. God, will you help us to be people who have this attitude of gratitude because of the hope that we have because of an encounter with you. It's not because of our names. It's not because of our brand. It's not because of who we are. It's because of an encounter with the living God that we can say, man, God, you are good to me. Can you imagine in the temple, Anna would have heard these words from Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold, and no cattle in the stores, she could go, yes, I know that. She would literally be absolutely in her right to say, that is my experience. All of these dreams that I had were when I got married to my betrothed, disappeared so quickly. All of these aspirations to see the cattle on the hill, to, to, to see whatever it may be, but maybe it's children, maybe it's security, maybe it's whatever it was. This, this long relationship of love and devotion and covenant to one another. And it's gone so fast. That, that's a kind of a wound that can create a distance. 
That's the wound. That I think the deceit of those wounds means that actually we treat it more like leprosy than a war wound. The reason why it's like leprosy is because leprosy, the way to deal with leprosy was to create separation. I am unclean, I can't go near the crowd. This has happened to me, so I can't go near the crowd. Because maybe we're under the same, um, same guilt, the same condemnation, because we think, oh, man, that happened to me because like, I didn't have enough faith to, to see it not happen. Or actually, maybe I haven't given enough, or I haven't done enough. Uh, or, or maybe it was just this, that, and the other. Uh, and actually, what we're doing is we've moved from a heart of hope to a heart of works that's looking at ourselves just through the mirror and say, the only reason why I can be grateful is when it's all about me. And when I've done great things, and yet actually, Habakkuk goes on and he says these wonderful words, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Because the focus has to be on him. It can't be on me. Even though I'm aware that the harvest is poor, even though I'm aware that the olive crop has failed, even though I'm aware there's no sheep and there's no cows, yet I am going to rejoice in my God. Because my God is for me, his face is over me, his smile is upon me, and I know I am favoured. The circumstances will try and lie to me. The circumstances that are coming to our country may try and lie to us and say the favour of God isn't on you, but the favour of God is on you. The smile of God is on you. His face looks towards you. A hope-bothered life is marked by gratitude, and it has a determination to it to remain thankful. I can tell how grateful my general attitude is by my WhatsApps that I send to other people. I can tell when I'm being really grateful and I'm in a good place, my, my WhatsApps are more encouraging to other people. When I'm not in that great place, then suddenly my WhatsApps aren't so good. My messages aren't so good. My emails aren't so good. My words aren't so good. But yet, when I'm in that place, I'm going, God, thank you for all you have done for me. That I just, I want to encourage people. I want other people to to be encouraged. And and sometimes that may be, I'm aware of a situation. Maybe it might not be at all. And I'm just going, actually, I'm going to ping this person. They've just come to mind. I'm going to ping them a little message to say, hey, be encouraged. Go for it in God. When was the last time we sent out encouraging text messages? When was the last time we literally spent a moment after a quiet time and just said, God, who can I send this to to encourage? As a measure of how bothered you are by hope. Because if you're bothered by hope, you'll want to bother other people with hope. You'll want to inspire hope in others. Hope's accent is one of thanksgiving. It's one of gratitude. It's the antithesis for the culture, the, the underlying like, horrendous culture of entitlement that we seem to be battling with, in our, just in our country, in our lives, in me. This, this, this attitude of entitlement. But you know right? Hope's longing is fulfilled in the relationship with the Father. Entitlement's longing is fulfilled in the experience of the inheritance. They are the ones who may do great miracles are the entitled. 
But yet, actually, on the day when they go before Jesus, Jesus might say to him, hey, I never knew you. Even though the words will be, Lord, Lord, we did this stuff in your name. But the ones of hope, the ones of hope, the Bible says in Daniel that they'll be the ones, the ones who know their father shall do great exploits. When I position myself just to be the person who's trying to do the exploits, up here speaking or praying or prophesying or something, I, I am circumnavigating, I am cutting out the relationship with the Father. When it's one of hope, it overflows from the relationship with the Father. It overflows from the relationship with Jesus. So we need to be people of whom actually our hope is found in God. And we pull that to mind constantly. Lamentations 3, 21 to 25 says this. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself the Lord is my portion. Therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. It's a disciplined attitude of gratitude. I will call this to mind. What are we calling to mind? Am I calling to mind this great hope that we have in Christ? Or am I calling to mind my loss? As you read on in these, you'll see there's this, there's this aspect of this overflow that comes from Anna. She has this hope and she can't help but tell everybody else that's in the room. And, and I just want to leave with this challenge. So like, are we people that are overflowing? Are we people that are overflowing with this hope? Nathan's already alluded to soul winners. And this week, we've got this great week coming up where we're going to learn about how do we share our story? There's going to be this overflow of my story of hope. How do I share my story of hope? How do I share it to my neighbours? How do I share it to the guy I'm stood next to whilst watching my lad play football? How am I sharing this hope? Because there has to be this overflow. Because my, my life is marked by hope. I am bothered by hope. I just want to ask this question. As Anna talked to the crowd, are you talking to your crowd? Are you sending the WhatsApps of hope? Are you sending the messages of hope? Are you telling your stories of which are, yeah, for sure, this is in my past. But you know, God has always, always been good to me I'm going to pray I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes please Father will you awaken hope in our hearts Father will you stir us that it won't just be something that stays in our lives but it's something that we share with our crowd whether that crowd is in the room that we're in right now, whether that crowd is on the internet or in the lives that we, we, we merge our lives with. Father, may we have a healthy hope life in Jesus' name. Everybody's eyes just to stay closed. If you're in the room and actually you're going, I, I don't know this hope. I've not experienced this hope. I've experienced loss but I've never experienced hope. I want to tell you the same God that pursued Anna is in pursuit of you.
The same love that captured Anna can capture you. The same one of whom is presented to all the people as the answer is the same one who is your answer. So I just would love to pray for you. If you find yourself in that place, I can't see a thing with these lights, but just as an action, I want you just to raise your hand. And really what it is, is it's a declaration to your own heart, saying, God, I want to know your hope. If that's you, then just raise your hand at this moment, and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you that you are the source of our eternal hope. Pray for those people that are journeying closer to you, that you will spark in them a fresh hope. May they know that something is different, even as of now, in Jesus' name. I pray that our lives might be inspired by Anna and by these other heroes of the faith, that we might say, actually, we have been bothered by God. We are a people bothered by hope. And we won't keep that hope to ourselves, but we will tell people the incredible news of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we just thank Eddie for bringing that word there? Wonderful. What a great message. Part two of our Bothered series. Inspired of anything that we might face in life, we can hope. Whatever the news might say, hope. Whatever circumstances we're facing, hope. Whatever challenges we might face, hope. And Hebrews 6.19 says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And what an amazing encouragement that is for us today, Ed. So thank you so much for listening to God and sharing that with us. And let me just encourage you, if, if you did respond to that prayer and if you recognise, do you know what, I don't know where my hope comes from. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Let me encourage you to talk to the person that brought you, who you came with, or speak to the team at the back with the lanyard. They'd love just to help you um, talk that through and discover what it means to really put your hope in Jesus and to live a life following him. And we had a message from one of the team as well that that beautiful moment we had where we just prayed for each other. If you need more prayer, or maybe you realise, man, my hope is gone. I'm focusing on the loss and I just need someone to pray with me. There's a team at the back and they'd love to pray with you about anything you need. Head over there, find someone in the lanyard and they'd love to pray. Have you enjoyed church today? It's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. Um, Hey, again, Soul Winners this Thursday. Uh, That's the next thing. But um, if we don't see you then, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a fantastic week, everyone. And we'll see you all soon. Goodbye.